Hello, and welcome to the Bamboo Lab Podcast with your host, Peak Performance Coach, Brian Bosley. Are you stuck on the hamster wheel of life, spinning and spinning, but not really moving forward? Are you ready to jump off and soar? Are you finally ready to sculpt your life? If so, you've landed in the right place. This podcast is created and broadcast just for you. All of you strivers, thrivers, and survivors out there. If you'd like to learn more about Brian and the Bamboo Lab, feel free to reach out to explore your true peak level at www.bamboolab3.com. Well, welcome to the show, everyone. Um, We have an incredible guest on today, but before we get to her, I want to share the latest analytics. As most of you know, there was not a podcast episode released last week. I realized that uh, a few of the solo episodes I did on my own were pure shit and I was not going to air anything that wasn't quality. So we did, this was the first time in 95 or 96 episodes that we did not have an episode go out on a Monday morning, but next week's going to be amazing or this episode is going to be amazing. So uh, before we get into it, I want to share with you right now, uh, thanks to all of you for subscribing, hitting that like button, rating, reviewing us and sharing us with three people. We are now being subscribed to on six continents, 60 countries, all 50 U.S. states and in 1,623 cities around this beautiful blue globe of ours. So I thank all of you for that. All right, today I'm going to get right to it. We have a really cool guest on, man. I got a chance to talk with this lady last week sometime when I was traveling. And I'm like, yeah, this is going to be an amazing episode. I don't want to put a lot of pressure on her, but we have today, we have Sarah Mossett. Sarah is a 23-year-old lady living in Tampa, Florida. She works full-time in the legal field, all while recovering from a life-changing ankle surgery. In 2021, she was in an accident that resulted in nine different surgeries. I've never had a surgery. I'm 56 years old. She had nine different surgeries. And then she she faced a multitude of complications with that. As she continued her recovery, things took a turn for the worse. And she was faced with yet another life-changing surgery. And she uh, really, during this, really deeply struggled to keep her mind set up. In the last year, however, Sarah has changed her life dramatically by focusing on becoming the best version of herself. I fucking love that, man. She has continually worked to promote mental health and trauma recovery through her online social media platform, Road to Recovery, both on Facebook and TikTok. And we will have links in the, in the show notes today, so please click on those. In addition to guest speaking for Johnson & Johnson's team representatives and being featured on the Snapchat show, yes, ep- season three, episode two. Cool thing. She's a big star on TikTok, man. She's got millions and millions of views. In fact, well, a recent video she put out on TikTok relieved 11.6 million views. I mean, that's that's like the state of Michigan. I don't even know what the state of Michigan's population is. That's a lot of people, man. Um, as Sarah continues her recovery, today she will share her story on how she was able to overcome the mental and physical barriers that once stood between her and her happiness. Despite facing life-altering trauma, Sarah full-heartedly believes that there is always a way to get through, even when it seems impossible. It all begins with one thing, your mindset. So my new friend, Sarah Mossett, welcome to the Bamboo Lab Podcast. Hi, Brian. Thanks so much for having me. We have a common connection, don't we? Yeah, I think we do. We do. So all of you subscribers and listeners out there, in October of last year, of 2022, Frank Mossett, Sarah's father, was a guest on the podcast and has been a friend of mine for 30, 31 years, somewhere in there. And an amazing man, highly accomplished, uh, successful professional, as well as an amazing family man. 
And I've never had a chance to meet Sarah, um, but uh, Frank spoke so highly of her. I'm like, I got to get her on the show. So, And you guys might uh, hear a little bark in the background because Sarah's got a 60-pound sheep-a-doodle, half sheepdog, half uh, poodle named Penny, who might give a little bark here and there. So, uh, you know, just know that she's just saying hi to all you Bamboo Lab podcast subscribers. So, all right, Sarah, let's get started here. Um, you know, I've gotten to know a little bit about you. I've done a lot of research and I've talked to you and I've obviously, you know, your father has spoken so highly of you in the past. But tell the, the guest, or the, I'm sorry, tell the, the, the listeners, please, a little bit about yourself. Where you're from, your family, who or what inspired you growing up? We just want to get a base uh, foundation of who you are. Yeah, absolutely. I think uh, I think I like to consider myself pretty interesting. But so I grew up moving around quite a bit. I was actually born in Eugene, Oregon. Then I lived in Overland Park, Kansas, Bedford, New Hampshire. Um, I lived in three different spots in Michigan. I went to undergraduate program in Michigan called Grand Valley State University. Um, I have a double major in criminal justice and legal studies, and I will also be attending law school in the fall. Um, growing up, I did gymnastics, lived a very active lifestyle. Right now, I'm really big into fitness and working out, love going to hit workout classes, going on long walks with my dog, hanging out with friends. And um, I really value my family and um, friends. So it's a little bit about me. I know you mentioned my uh, social medias earlier. So I currently run a mental health and trauma advocacy program through online social media platforms. And we're going to include a, a link to everything on the show notes today, too. So please, everybody, click on those. And look at, you know, what's funny about what you just said as you were talking about growing up, traveling or, you know, moving a lot. Yeah. Crazy. I followed you in every one to every one of those cities because your dad was in Portland in Eugene and he ha hired me to come out there and coach, do some marketing and sales coaching. Then he went to Overland Park. I went there. Then he went to Boston. <laughs> I went there. Then he went to Detroit and I followed there. So he's had me come to follow him along and consult with his his teams, <laughs> every one of those locations. Uh, that's so that's funny. pretty funny. I did not know that. Yeah, yeah. So I was just kind of behind all the, all the time and never having met you. So you, you lived an interesting life and obviously an interesting family, got to travel a lot, got to see a lot of different parts of the country and experience, not just a travel vacational style, but also more of, I, hey, I understand the cultures in like Eugene and Overland Park and Boston, things of that nature, Detroit area. Um, what or who inspired you growing up? You know, I don't know if I ever grew up having like one person in my life that really inspired me. And I feel like that's a really weird thing to too, because for the most of the part, when you ask someone, you know, who inspired you growing up, they're always so quick to give you a name. But I don't think it was more who, I think it was more what inspired me. And I think one of those things came from how much I moved around and, you know, you have to make new friends and restart your life so many different times. So I think what inspired me growing up was no matter that, like whatever life was bringing me that I had to face it, go through it, and then find my way to be coming myself and whether it was good or bad, it was just one step closer to discovering myself. So I think what inspired me was just not living the normal life where you grow up in one state and have the same set of friends, but living this crazy life where I move around a lot and encounter a lot of different things and just going through it. And each time taught me a different lesson. So I think like embracing things more so inspired me, um, embracing them for what they are. What was the book we talked about before we aired today? The obstacle is the way. Yes, That's exactly absolutely. what that book is about, Sarah. That's exactly what it's about. 
I'll definitely be giving it a read. You know, I actually pulled it up on Amazon and it's Prime Day. I like to consider Amazon Prime Day a national holiday. So what does that mean? Prime Day? Everything's on sale on Amazon. What do you mean? What does that mean? I don't even know what that means. (gasps) You don't know what Amazon Prime Day is? You're missing out. Dude, I buy everything on Amazon. I don't even know anything about what Prime Day is. Oh, you got to get on. It's only, it ends today. I think it was July 11th and July 12th. So, and everything's on sale. Well, you send me your address after we're done here and I'll send you a copy of that book, especially if it's on sale. (laughs) I I learned frugality from Frank Mossett, man. I learned frugality. (laughs) (laughs) Um, well, now I'd like to get you a copy of that book. That'd be great. So I want yeah, all absolutely. the listeners to go, please go back and rewind probably 90 seconds of this podcast and listen to what she just said. I didn't have an entire, she, she, what she said was golden. You know, she moved around a lot. She realized no matter what life brought her, she embraced it. But she had a lot of really great gold nuggets between what I, more than what I just paraphrased. because I couldn't write it down fast enough. But uh, go back and listen to that. That right there could have encapsulated the entire uh, podcast episode. So, all right. So you've had a pretty uh, challenging couple of years. Let's let's start with there. So I'm gonna I'm gonna ask you a question, and uh, this is a question I tell every guest. You don't have to answer it. I'd love to hear it. My guests love to hear the answers to this question. But what is the most difficult thing you've gone through, Sarah? You know, uh, that is, unfortunately, I wish I didn't have an answer for that. But, you know, I think the most difficult thing that I have gone through is uh, my senior year of college. I had just gotten done with seven different ankle surgeries. Thought I was all set, fully recovered. And then one day my ankle locked completely downward. They call it an ankle contracture. And I just had so much trauma from these previous surgical complications that my ankle just decided it did not want to move anymore. So I was walking tiptoed on one leg. We start to consult different surgeons, and I'll definitely get more into that later for the viewers. But, um, you know, I was looked at 20, I was 22 at the time. Um, They said, you know, we can fuse this joint, but eventually that fusion is going to run out or we can amputate your foot. And I think that was definitely the time in my life that was the hardest to get through right there, hearing those words at 22 years old. Wow. That's crazy. I didn't realize that amputation was an option. Unfortunately, yeah, it seems to be an option with uh, these surgeries. And, you know, I can laugh now because I've made it through and changed my mindset on things. But one time, first surgery I ever had, I'm in the emergency room and Surgeon looks at me, he goes, you got a long road ahead of you. I didn't really think he meant two and a half years of a long road. <laughs> so not just the, the inconvenience of it, what was the pain comfort or the pain level like? Unbearable. I mean, you know, you go through different phases of having surgeries. And before my ankle surgeries, I had never had surgery. You know, I got my wisdom teeth out like most people. But my first surgery that I ever had started at, 2.33 a.m. in the morning being rushed into the ER right into the operating table. Like My foot was hanging sideways off my body. It was very traumatic. So I definitely have experienced a whole variety of pain levels. <laughs> what? Wow. Uh, do you want to go into the story of that right now or do you want to? Oh, heck, talk. we can share whatever the heck you want. You go, That's what I'm here for. <laughs> you go, lady, man. All right, let's talk about that. So tell us about what happened. Yeah, for sure. I'll go through it. So, 
you know, I'm being rushed into that emergency room um, after being in a car accident. And this surgeon's looking at me and he's like, this is bad. I mean, this is really bad. He's looking at my parents and I'll, I'll never forget it. My parents walked into the emergency room and I'm in my waiting room. My foot's hanging sideways on my uh, hospital bed and I got these big Sorel winter boots on. And I'm like, man, those are kind of pricey and they're going to cut these off. Like, of course, that's what I'm worried about. (laughs) (laughs) But they come in and I'll never forget my parents' face just being like, holy shit. And I'm pretty sure that is how they would describe that exact moment, too, because my mom always tells me the story of, uh, I called her and I said, um, don't let them cut it off. Don't let them cut it off. And she's thinking, sir, what in the hell are you talking about? So she showed up and then she, okay, all right. I know what she's talking about right now. So I get rushed into that emergency surgery and come out. Uh, nearly 24 hours later, I was released, headed back home from, and if you're from Michigan, Grand Rapids, Michigan is where I went to school. And uh, my parents lived over kind of more towards the Detroit area and we headed back towards my parents' house. And I just remember waking up in the middle of the night and just being like, oh my God, like this is the most pain I've ever been in my life. And I'm I'm screaming and I'm turning and I'm begging and I'm begging, just take me to the hospital, take me to the hospital. Something's wrong. I remember at one point I couldn't get comfy. I literally crawled into my dog's bed because I was just so desperate to lay on something that was comfy. It didn't smell very good when I was down there, but that's okay. And so, <laughs> you know, my my dad and my mom are like, all right, well, we got to take her in. You know, like this is just, she's screaming. And they gave me something called a nerve block. So you're not really supposed to be having all that much pain after that surgery. Well, it turns out we get in the emergency room and this is kind of, why I had so many issues down the line is uh, I developed something called compartment syndrome and compartment syndrome is essentially uh, no blood is getting to your ankle. You're swelling up, you're blistering full of blood. Very, very, very rare syndrome. I think the last time I looked at it, don't quote me fully because I would have to Google it again. But I think last time I looked at the statistic, it was 0.007% of women get compartment syndrome. I mean, when it's rare, I mean, it's very, very rare. And so instantly my next surgery, my second surgery of my life was also an emergency surgery. And I'm getting rushed down the hall. And <laughs> this is a story that lives on in my family. You know, my, my surgeon's poking me with his pen. He's trying to set, gain a sensation and see uh, how much I can feel. <laughs> and I shoot up out of my bed. I said, Stop poking me with that damn pen. <laughs> and I'll never live that down in my family for some reason. But I was I was definitely, uh, let's just say I should have my own reality TV show when I was in the hospital. Because everything just, it was very funny now. So I go in for this yeah. surgery. <laughs> yeah. Going for this surgery. Get out. Um, I had a lot of complications, a lot of hospital stays. Pretty much my next surgery was getting a metal rod, a plate, six screws installed in my foot. Later got infected, uh, got a port put in my arm. I was on IV antibiotics for three months. Got that done. I had three different cleaning surgeries. So by the time this is all over, I'm at seven surgeries. Finally getting back to life at college. Just missed out on my junior year of college. So now I'm excited to be back for my senior year. And then I get hit with the amputation conversation. And then let me just tell you what that did to my mindset. Because I don't think people understand when you tell them you face something so severe and 
you know, this goes for a lot of different parts of life, I feel like, and not even just surgical. When you're getting hit with that news that something in your life's about to dramatically change, what it does to your mind after is just so traumatizing. I would truly categorize it in trauma. Um, I'm pretty sure I shut down after hearing those words and I, you know, I had a hard time getting through it. So I met with probably, oh, I want to say anywhere from seven to 10 different surgeons before I finally found one solution. And I'll never forget it. I walked into a surgeon's office in Michigan. He walks in, he says, you know, um, I have absolutely no idea how to help you. At this point, all of my toes are curled under. I'm tripping. I'm falling when I'm walking. My ankle is fully locked downward. I'm walking tiptoed. Um, I can't stand flat-footed. You know, I, I can't run. I can't jump. I, can, I can't exercise. I'm limping like crazy, but not just limping. I'm walking with my foot turned outward and standing straddled, essentially, on one leg. He says, uh, so he finishes it, and he goes, I really, I just don't know how to help you, but I do remember reading this study when I was in med school, and it's a surgery called ankle distraction arthroplasty surgery. And, you know, I turned my head sideways like a dog. I don't, I don't know what he's talking about at this point. I'm like, oh, great, another surgery. This is exactly what I thought. Yay. And uh, I'm like, okay, so we all start Googling. Well, it turns out this surgery is not very popular in the U.S. and not a lot of surgeons perform it. And that's what he told us, too. He said, you know, I know there's a guy in Oregon and I know there's a guy in New York that does do it. Other than that, I have no idea who performs the surgery, but I remember reading about it. So I can't help you, but you can Google it. And from there, my parents whipped out their phone. And I know earlier you talked about uh, being in Portland and Eugene. Well, luckily, one of your guys' uh, buddies had known the surgeon in Oregon. Got me in. I flew out, met him. And then I flew out and met the surgeon in New York as well. And the rest was history. It was, uh, they pretty much looked at me and said, we can save your leg, but I hope you're ready for a lot of work. Wow. And how long ago was that again? That would have been December of 2020. Oh, shoot. 22 or 21. I was 21 years old when I went. So, I mean, it's been like two years since I met my surgeon. And since I had that surgery, it'll be, uh, I think, about a year and a half now. Wow. And how is your mobility now? So, I have limited range of mobility. And that's this one of the hardest parts about this surgery is when, um, so ultimately, I went with a surgeon in New York and I chose him because he took stem cells from my hip to inject them in my ankle to regenerate bone growth. And this surgery was the most bizarre thing I've ever had. And if uh, the viewers pull it up on social media afterwards, you'll be able to see what this, they call it an external fixator looked like. Essentially, it was a big ski boot on my foot, just metal. So two metal halos wrapped around my ankle and then almost a platform on my foot. I had wires going into each one of my five toes and then it had a motor on it. And this motor would bring my foot up little by little every hour on the hour. And I wore this device for 101 days. Yes. And so, I mean, that surgery was definitely even something crazier. It was supposed to be a three hour long surgery. And I think mine was eight to eight and a half hours because 
that compartment syndrome I mentioned earlier did so much damage to my ankle in the interior that my tibial nerve and your tibial nerve actually controls a lot of the sensation in your foot um, pretty much died. And, uh, you know, I've, so when you ask me about range of motion, I do not have a lot. I am barely making neutral as it is. I just saw my surgeon last week and, uh, unfortunately we're going to have surgery number 10 coming up here in the near future. But, uh, yeah, he said, you know, you're barely making neutral. So for the average person to kind of explain what that's like to live with your ankle, only being able to hit neutral. What I mean by neutral is your heels flat on the floor. So you're able to stand flat. Okay. I can stand flat. Um, I can not really balance all that well on my right leg. I will never be able to run, jump, skip, anything like that. Okay. Can't walk on my tiptoes. Um, you know, I can't wear heels more than like an inch tall. Pretty much my ankle does not bend. <laughs> it's pretty much stuck in neutral. So, which is a blessing because at one point in my life, I was sitting with a pointed, pointed foot every day of my life for a year and a half. And that was painful. So I'll take the neutral, but yeah, I don't have range of motion. I'm not, it's very interesting when you see me because I have one foot that moves and one foot that does not. Well, how do you work out? You're into fitness. I mean, what, what do you, how do you, so I'm looking at this right now thinking there's so many people out there who have something not necessarily mm-hmm. as traumatic as yours or as dramatic as yours. And it, it stops them. They say, well, I can't do this. I can't work out. I can't start my business. I can't find the person I, that I want to spend my life with. Whatever their, their issue is, they mm-hmm. have a, they have an issue, something that's holding them back. How do you, person who's always been into gymnastics and fitness now you have this this thing i can't even pronounce uh but <laughs> you have your your foot your ankles you know obviously in what do you call it uh neutral no neutral yes okay. it's stuck at neutral stuck at neutral how do you work out how did you how do you what do you do you know and it's i'm glad you brought that up so that's actually one of the things that Um, I really struggled with this, you know, when they sat me down and they told me that my foot could be amputated before I had this life changing surgery. Um, and by life changing, I mean, the surgery single handedly gave me my life back and, but it pushed me mentally. So this surgery pushed me so hard mentally that I lost myself for a little bit before I regained myself. And one of the ways I regained myself was through fitness. And this is how it all began. We were living in Hoboken, um, New Jersey, while I, my surgeon was at the hospital for special surgery in New York City, and we lived in Hoboken, New Jersey for the six weeks while I was recovering. We lived in this apartment complex, and I think when you got off the elevator to the left, I think it was on the left, not sure if it was left or right, but the gym was right there. So every time I got out of the elevator, you know, I hadn't worked out for a year and a half because I was... I had a really bad ankle contracture. I couldn't walk straight. I couldn't really do anything that involved a lot of mobility. I could barely walk. I could barely walk a half a mile without having to stop or call an Uber. I mean, it was terrible. It was not the quality of life that I was living before the surgery was awful. So I I hadn't worked out in like a year and a half. And, you know, I think everyone knows it. Working out is really good for your mental health. So as I'm downward spiraling and I'm starting to question, oh my God, what did I just do to myself? I'm going to be in this metal device. It hurts like a bitch. And I'm in it for three months. What did I just do to myself? Well, my mom would push me off this elevator every single day in my my wheelchair. I'd look at that gym and I would just think like, 
that pisses me off. The fact that I have to see that every day, I'm like, that is pissing me off because I can't get in there. So I'm just not happy about it. I'm not having it. <laughs> One day, I mean, truthfully, Brian, I just said, fuck it. I said, I'm going down there. So I got on my crutches. I went down there and I, I remember standing there and I'm on my crutches. I got this big ass metal cage in my foot. And the, I mean, there's one other man in this gym and he's looking at me like I'm, he is cross-eyed looking at me like I'm crazy at this point. I'm like, there has to be one thing in this gym that I can do that can help my mental health. Cause working out is good for that. There has to be one thing in this gym I can do. And I'm like, well, my leg is broken, but my arms aren't. So I got on the bench and I just started doing arms. And then I started realizing, you know, there's a lot more I can do. So, and it's funny. I took a lot of heat on TikTok from this one. Uh, I started doing handstands with this big external fixator on because I used to do gymnastics. I'm like, well, that doesn't involve your ankle. You're up, your foot's in the air. I'm like, technically that's elevating my foot too. It's double whammy. So I start working out. And I think to answer your question is you have to want it. You have to have that motivation to turn your life around and you have to commit to it. It's not going to be easy. And a lot of people ask me that, you know, they say uh, on my recovery page, how in the heck are you working out? And the truth is, I don't know. I'm just doing it because the only way I'm going to get through this is if I get through it. So I just commit and I dedicate myself to it. I be, I'm super, super patient with myself when I'm in the gym and I think that I've learned a lot of different ways that you can adapt to working out when you do have lack of mobility and whether you live with chronic pain or just have something else that interferes with working out, there's always something you can do for your body that it, your body will thank you for later. You just have to be able to figure that out and have the confidence to go in and figure out what it is. Dude, I got to tell you, you know, as you were talking and sharing your story, I was thinking about the the difference between a, bu a buffalo and a cow and, and I'm not equating you to a buffalo or cow. <laughs> like, so, Brian, you really call me a cow on your podcast right now? <laughs> no, I, I, I say my, my insults for a different Mosset. Um, <laughs> no, but there, there is a difference between a buffalo and a cow during a storm. So when buffaloes are out in the field or the pastures and they, they sense a storm coming, um, what they will do is they'll walk directly toward the storm. Where a, a cow will, when they sense a storm coming in the horizon, they will run away from the storm. So the buffalo hits the storm head on and gets through it in a relatively short period of time because the, they're going against the, 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 the um, direction of the storm. Where a, a cow will run away from the storm and eventually the storm catches up to the cow and the cow keeps running in the storm. And what you just described is someone who ran right toward the storm and said, fuck it. As you said, I'm pissed off. I can't get to the gym. Screw it. I'm going to go in there and figure something out to do. You ran toward it. And I, I think that's so damn honorable. I was talking to a friend this morning, believe it or not, even though we're shooting this podcast at 7 a.m., I was texting a friend this morning who <laughs> had a date with the lady. He, really, he thought, hey, this is the one. I really like her. And uh -huh. she texted him back and said, uh, you know, there wasn't a chemistry for me. I'm not interested. So his, you know, he was down a little bit. And he said, so he texted me this morning. He said, I'm going out today. A friend of mine owns a clothing store. I'm going to get resuited for some new suits and some new clothes to just to give myself more confidence when I'm out there in public. That's an example of running Absolutely. toward the problem. You're running right toward Hell it, man. Yeah. You're running toward the storm. I love that, man. Kudos to you. I've just, uh, you, you, you've garnered a lot more respect for me in this first 30 minutes so far. That is, that's awesome. And I love what you said. And I'm going to share this with the audience to capsulate. You have to want it and you have to commit to it. You can want something, 
And if you don't commit to it, it's all for naught. You can commit to something, but if you don't want it, you're committing to the wrong thing. You have to want it and you have to commit to it. And then also the one caveat she said with that is be patient with yourself. Be patient with yourself. This is a this is a marathon, not a sprint. It's it's you know it's those the aggregation of marginal gains. It's gaining doing something every day to better yourself, and over time, all of a sudden you start to see the results. So that's fantastic. So right now, what can you do, Sarah, when you're at the gym or when you're you know outside? What are what are some physical things that you can do? You can't run, skip, skip or jump. I know that you said. Um, yeah. What what can you do as far to, as far as cardiovascular? So as far as doing cardio goes, you know, I actually, so I think it's only a Florida thing. So I'm from Florida. Well, I live in Florida now and, uh, there's this new gym I've been going to, it's called F45 and wow, let me just tell you, it's kicking my ass, but am I loving it? (laughs) I am loving it. Um, I'm walking out of there every morning by 7am just covered in sweat. I mean, you think I would literally shower in there, but you know why? Because they're getting my heart rate up and I'm doing a cardio and if you think about it logically, I haven't done cardio in two and a half years since my injury occurred. I think the last time I ever ran, and I'll never forget it because I'll never run again, is uh, one week before my accident happened on January 28th, 2021 was my accident. And one week before that was the last time I ever ran. And um, so, yeah, I, you know, I haven't been pushed very hard with cardio I've, I've walked, but you know, walking is cardio, but it doesn't really get your heart rate up to that extent. So, um, I can do the stairmaster, but I only got about ten minutes in me before one. I start like thinking I'm having a heart attack, and two, my leg just starts hurting. <laughs> so, um, cardio wise, you know, I can do like the rowing machine, um, the standing ski machine where you're pulling the cables down above your head. Um, other than that, I will normally just try to do other things to get my heart rate up. So if I go to the gym on my own, I'm in the sauna and then I'll go walk on the treadmill for 30 minutes. That kind of gets my heart rate going and I'll just bam, bam, bam. I don't stop between like my reps. I don't stop between my sets. And I don't know if that's controversial in the workout world, but it's the way that I get my heart rate up. And I almost have to do that because I don't have, um, you know, that freedom to do it. Like most people where you can just go do some jumping jacks or burpees or whatever the heck you're doing. So other than that in the gym, I mean, I can do a lot of things, anything upper body. I'm good. I can do that. Anything core sitting, I can do that. The only thing I really struggle with is, uh, lunges, squatting, anything that really involves like bending of the knees. Mm -hmm. When I stand and I think, uh, give you guys a good description. So everybody can kind of understand what I'm saying here. If you stand and you squat and you look in a mirror, your knee is going over your ankle when you when you bend your leg. You know, it's going over. I can only do that on one foot. When I stand on my bad foot and I try to bend my knee, it simply does not. I cannot bend my leg standing mm. on my bad foot. It's very interesting. So when I squat, it's really hard. Um, but what I've learned through physical therapy is if I get a little plate, about a two-pound plate, and I prop it up underneath my heel it raises my foot just enough that I'm able to get that mobility to bend my leg and do squats. So like I said earlier, like you have to want it, but you got to be able to commit to it too. So there are solutions to all these different things. It's just, are you willing to put in the work to figure out how to get to those solutions? That's a nugget right there of wisdom. Um, Personally, I think the two best exercises are planks for core and abs 
and rowing, the rowing machine. I I live on my rowing. I love my rowing. My kids got me one three or four years ago for Father's Day. Heck and yeah. That's such a good workout. It's your shoulders, your chest, your back, your arms, your legs. It's cardio. It's core. I mean, it's it's everything wrapped into one. I think it's maybe other than swimming. I think it's I think for me, it's the best overall workout. And it's those, a great workout. And those damn planks. I, I do planks and I hate every minute that I'm planking. I hate it. It's the worst thing in the world. It's the most pain I've ever felt in my life. Self-imposed I'm pain. sure everyone hates planks, oh, but they're so, great. You know what I do, Sarah, though? And I tell I, – I do planks four days a week, and I do them – I roll out of bed, and I do my planks. So I'm actually half asleep still. It's like 5 in the morning. I'm half asleep. So by the time I fully wake up, I'm a minute or two into my planks, so I've got a good start on my planks. And so I only feel pain for a very, you know, relatively short period of time. And it works because I'm still kind of, I'm too tired to be, to feel the pain. I'm still groggy and I'm done with it. And I got, I got the hardest thing done by 5.15 in the morning. Hey, so. there you go. And you, I'll tell you what, this whole working out in the morning thing. I mean, I know a lot of people like to go after work, but I'm telling you, you go before work. It changes your entire work day. You do just Everything. a little bit of exercise before it makes getting through the day a hell of a lot easier. It does. Even if you just do 20 minutes of something. Yep. I mean, it, it makes, Whether that's just walking your dog or doing some planks. Yeah, that's what, yeah, that's what it is. I mean, I, today, because you had to uh, shoot this podcast so early in the morning, <laughs> I had to get up at 4.15 this morning to get my stuff done. But I actually woke up at, I had my alarm set for five, but I woke up at 4.12. I'm like, eh. I might as well just get up now. I mean, I mean, I'm not going to, what am I going to go back to sleep for 45 minutes? I'm just, I'm going to be more groggy. Right. So I'm going to be a cranky, tired man by six o'clock this afternoon. Uh, good thing there's coffee. <laughs> yeah, exactly. I'm on my second cup now. <laughs> Pretty sure my coffee almost spilled a minute ago here. It's all over the place. Um, I, dude, I, it, I just, I'm just, it, it, what I, what, listening to you, you know, 23 years old, it's, it, people like you, and I'm saying this from, from my heart, it gives me hope for our world. When you have a young person like you entering the professional world, um, better in your life professionally, but also personally, and I mean, being such an inspiration for so many people, I mean, on, on your social media platforms, now on the Bamboo Lab podcast, I mean, th this is good stuff. And I, I definitely see sometime in the future, a book written by Sarah Mossett. I, that would absolutely be the dream. I would absolutely love to publish a book, you know. I, I love doing this and I love speaking up on it. And it's just a hobby of mine, really. I just, you know, the reason I started sharing my story and I think the reason I um, am able to talk about it so well, I think there's a lot of things that go into that. But when I was going through those surgeries, oh, hell, I felt so alone. And I think a lot of people can relate to that when they go through something so traumatic. They're thinking to themselves, why me? No one else is going through this. I have no one that I can relate to. And you just, it puts you in such a depressed and, I've always struggled with mental health, but it put me in a really hard place. And I, all I wanted was to see someone get through it. That's all I wanted. And didn't matter how hard I searched on social media. It's like, I never saw someone that had an injury or had just had a lot of surgeries. I never saw them get out of it and like, be happy. You know, I always saw the stories of like, they're like, um, mopping around or, and, or it just doesn't get better or it gets worse. And, it's so discouraging. So I thought to myself one day, you know, like how, well, I could be that person for someone. Like, why don't I just post it? Like some other, if I'm feeling this way, there is someone else out there that also feels so alone. And I just started posting and people started coming in. They kept saying, you know, my goodness, I have something very similar. Like this is really inspiring. Thank you. Thank you. 
And so I, I just kept sharing it. And actually I started my Facebook page as a way just to, um, share my updates of surgery with my family, but it ended up growing into so much more all because of TikTok. And it's just crazy. And, you know, last night I actually read this one post and it said, I was a quote and it said, alone or not, you have to walk forward. And that is so damn true because if you just sit back and you don't keep pushing yourself to go forward, how the hell are you going to get through it? No one else is going to get you through it. you got to get yourself through that. Okay. I'm writing that down. So bear with me. No, no worries. Well, I think, you know, with your story and your experience and your wisdom, it goes so far beyond just somebody who's gone through surgery or anything of that nature. It resonates with people who are going through any difficulty or have gone through a difficulty, whether it be yeah. physical, emotional, mental, financial, you know, familial, whatever it might be, is going through any difficulty that, you know, you, you, like alone or not, you have to, you have to walk forward. And I, I think there's so much, so much wisdom. And I think what I catch with you, Sarah, and I think so many of us can take away is this kind of uh, spunky attitude that says, F it, I'm not going to, uh, this is looking at that gym today pisses me off. I'm going to go do mm-hmm. it, you know, stop poking me with the, with that damn pen. <laughs> I mean, it's having that attitude, even if you're somebody might be a more of an introvert, quiet person, more reserved, amiable, having that attitude inside that life is not going to beat me. I'm going to beat life. Life is tough, but I'm tougher. And I think that yep. attitude of that grit, and there's another good book. Uh, Grit by Angela Duckworth, you should read in the future. All of you, everybody should read the book Grit by Angela Duckworth. It talks about the importance of grit. It's how it's the number one important quality for success and happiness in life is having grit. That along with The Obstacle is the Way by Ryan Holiday, two amazing books that can change your life. Um, okay, so looking at this mindset idea, over the past two years, Sarah, what has been, how could you capsulate your greatest learning over that time frame? About my mindset, you know, I, and it's such a difficult question to sum up just because really when you start focusing on your mindset, you, you do see a change in your life. And when you start acknowledging where your mindset's at, and I'll share this because I think a lot of people's mind goes to this when you first start talking about mindset. My dad always preached mindset to me and dad, if you're listening, I'm so sorry. I'm going to throw you underneath the bus for a second, but he always said, Sarah, your uh, your mindset matters. Like whatever you do in life, just make sure, where's your head at? Where's your head at? Like change your mindset. If you change your mindset, it's going to get easier. In my head, I'm thinking, what the hell, dad? I'm growing up. I'm like, I don't know what that means. Like change your mindset. Okay, whatever. Like, I don't know what he's meaning. I'm like, yeah, dad, I'll change my mindset. It took me 21 years and seven ankle surgeries to finally understand what the heck my dad was talking about. And let me just tell you this. When we stop focusing on the things that we can't control and we start focusing on the things that we can control, everything changes. And that's what I mean by mindset is you don't have to be perfect all the time, but you got to stop focusing on those things you can't control. So for me, it was, you know, I'm going to lose my mobility. I'm going to be 23 years old. I'm not going to live the same life that other people are going to do, but I can't change that. And shit, at the end of the day, I'm so lucky that my legs are my body. So why am I going to let that hold me back any longer? I've made it this far. The only way I'm getting through it is I'm getting through it. So I stopped allowing those negative thoughts to come in my head and, you know, just accepting things for what they are and not for what you want them to be. Oh, dude. 
Okay, so let's capsulate that again for everybody out there. Um, I'm The only way I'm going to get through it is to get through it. That's that attitude of that grit style living and thinking right there that obviously has gotten Sarah from really maybe two years ago having a victim mindset of poor me now to being a, a survivor and a warrior and now helping so many thousands and millions of other people out there who are going through some difficulty in life, whether it be physical, emotional, or whatever it might be. So perfect, perfect, perfect learning. So right now, you're 23 uh, you're starting your professional journey in life and looking at the impact you're going to make on the world. And, you know, you've gone through a lot of shit in two years, man. <laughs> what is a win for you in life? What do you consider a victory? Oh, my gosh. I genuinely would have never thought that I would be where I am today mentally and physically. And just not giving up on my leg and just discovering who the true Sarah was, despite the trauma I had to go through. Um, I think that's a win for me. You know, I took this life event and I can say this and normally I don't really talk about myself like this, but shit. I mean, my dad and I kept this mindset when I was really depressed. He said, Sarah, just focus on becoming the best version of Sarah become the best version of Sarah that you can be. And that's the win for my life is that I took these situations and I finally turned them into becoming the best Sarah that I could be. And that's a win for me because now at the end of the day, I've come to peace with the fact that I've lost this mobility, that I will never be quote unquote normal again. Um, And I think just finding peace in my inner self and really, really knowing what I want in life and being able to change my mindset and live in this positive world of accepting what I couldn't change. I think that's my win. I don't think there's a bigger win in life. There's not a bigger victory. I don't think there is. <laughs> and I, and I, I just got to give your, your dad, both your mom and dad are amazing people. And for the, yeah, they, the, are. Yeah, they really are. Um, I just love, you know, change your mindset, your dad's and be focused on being the best version of yourself. Incredible advice. And, you know, as, as when our parents tell us something so often, or even if it's a friend or somebody we're close to, we tend to we send, we tend to discount them. You know, the definition of an expert is someone who's somebody who's from out of town. You know, we always mm-hmm. tend to re- respect experts versus the people who are closest to us can give us such amazing advice, and they give it to us out of authenticity and love and care and concern. You know, and so I think it's really wise for us to to look at the people around us and say, okay, people have been giving me messages all my life. Uh, people who are close to me, have I discounted them? Which ones have I discounted that I can bring forward and say, hey, there's probably some merit to that to that advice. Right. I think that's powerful. You know, I love the idea of controlling, focusing on what you can control. You know, one of the things that we I use a lot with my clients and myself, Sarah, is something I call the CIA method. It's control, influence, and accept. And I think it's important for us to say, okay, whatever situation we are in right now, list the things you just have to accept about it. You had to accept that you were going to have limited mobility. You had to accept that your life was going to change dramatically in a lot of ways. You had to accept that there are things you couldn't do, that your life would be different than other people. Listing those things down and then just crossing them off and saying, okay, I'm never thinking about those again. I'm not going to consider those. Then focusing on what you can control, your mindset, yep. your behavior, your thoughts, your activities, your habits. I mean, the, the lifestyle, all these things and be specific and circle those and say, boom, that's what I'm going to control. And screw with what you can influence because all you can really influence is the outcome of certain events and the, and the behavior of certain people. And the only way you can influence that is by what focusing on what you can control. So really the only thing we're thinking about is like you said, focus on what you can control. And if Eventually, you'll get out of the situation and you'll thrive. You won't just survive, you will thrive. 
and you yes. become a much better version of yourself, just like Sarah is continually every day becoming a better version of herself. So I think it's awesome. I completely agree with you, Brian. I think one of the other things that people don't think about too when they're practicing mindset and changing that mindset though is how patient they have to be with themselves. You're going to make mistakes. Anyone that says they have a good mindset, they go through those flaws. Like don't think for a second that that's not there and that's not normal because it is frustrating at times. But when you continuously do it, the more you do it, the more practice you put into it, the better you get at it. So it just takes time. And I think a lot of, I know a lot of my people on my uh, support pages, that's one of the things that they're, Sarah, I'm doing this, this, and this, but I'm still feeling discouraged or this isn't going right. Well, it takes time and give yourself some grace. Shit, life is hard enough as it is. Why are you going to be your own bully? Just give yourself some grace and get through it. <laughs> Don't be your own bully. I love that. Dude, how the hell are you 23 years old? <laughs> I get asked that question so much. <laughs> I, it's, I'm sitting there going, this is, this is your, your wisdom for, I mean, for anybody is spectacular. For your age, it's next level. Thank you. It really is. And I'm not, you know, age means doesn't mean a lot. You had so much experience in your short, in your 23 years so far that you gained that wisdom through that experience. But, and I'm sure your family had a lot to do with that as well. You're growing up and, you know, your experiences with traveling and moving and meeting new people and you just yeah. have this, this attitude of just, you know, fuck it. Yeah. You know, I definitely, you know, I definitely owe a lot of it to my family too. I know growing up, I, I'm very fortunate to say I came from such a supportive home. I, I never had to question that they're there for me. And, um, you know, like my mom always said to me, and this was the most helpful thing when I was just having those mental breakdowns. She said, Sarah, I don't know what it's like to be in your shoes, but I'm here for you while you walk mm. in them. Oh. Like, and I think that was so important. And she's just such a wonderful lady. Both my parents are just wonderful people and the support they gave me throughout this. I definitely owe a lot of this mindset that I've been able to obtain to them. Oh, for sure. I mean, we all owe so much to our family and, and Heck yeah. the people around us. Um, how's your Aunt Lynn doing? Oh, my gosh. I think she's doing good. Is she? I got to call Tell her up. I haven't talked to her in a bit. But, yeah, she's. I just saw her at my sister's grad party, so she's doing good. All right. Tell her I said hello. I will. She's got the cutest puppy right now. She's got a mini a mini sheep-a-doodle. I got the big sheep-a-doodle, and she's got the mini one. Dude, how many? And actually, it was so funny. She came to Florida. That dog came to Florida. Didn't even see the pool. Just ran right into the pool. <laughs> so you, so your dog is a sheep-a-doodle, so it's part poodle. Yep. And she has a sheep-a-doodle. I have a peek-a-poo, as I told yep. you. She's sitting right here looking. Well, she's sound to see if she can't hear anything at her age. But uh, there's a lot of poodles out there. Well, you're, you know, your aunt was, um, when I got my first assignment at American Express, it might have been still be called IDS, I don't know, to be a co-manager of the Ann Arbor office in Ann Arbor, Michigan, um, with another, another co-manager and a friend of mine named Will Lee. Uh, Lynn was one of the newer advisors there. She wasn't brand new, though, and I had the privilege of being one of her her managers for maybe six or eight months. Then I moved on to, to the Livonia office, but I always thought very highly of your aunt. She was always an incredibly and very, very genuinely nice person, and she just worked hard. She just worked yeah, hard. She, she had that moss in she is just as damn inspiring. I remember when I was living uh, over in Hoboken after my surgery, she texted me something, and it stuck with me forever. And I love it. I absolutely love it. And she's going to love them sharing this because it's such a good message. And embrace the suck. Mm-hmm. So just embrace it. And I, she texted me that. I said, damn, all right, I'm going to embrace the suck. Like, yeah, this sucks. But like, embrace it. 
whatever. <laughs> well, she grew up in a tough time in, in the financial planning world of cold calling and having me as her manager. So she had to embrace <laughs> the suck back then. I know that. <laughs> she embraced the suck through Brian. <laughs> oh my gosh. I was a horrible manager. I was a very, I mean, I, 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 I was a very straightforward manager and very uh, direct, and and I'm not sure how it was well received. I was just young and inexperienced, so, um, <laughs> so <laughs> she went through trial by fire. That's for sure. She came out. She came out on top. Hell yeah, she did. <laughs> well, so a question I love. I love this question. So, Sarah, if I'm going to come down to Florida today, I'm going to bring my my time machine, and you and I are going to fly back. We're going to go back to that. That week before your car accident, that somewhere between that last run you went on and that car accident, and you're going to sit down with your young 20-year-old self or whatever age at that time, and you're going to give yourself advice, words of wisdom, recipe for success, whatever you want to choose, what would you say to yourself? Oh, my gosh. If I could travel back in time, there's so many different things I would say to myself. Um, oh, goodness. You know... I would like to say that I'm going to go back and talk about my mindset, but I'm a huge believer in who you surround yourself with also impacts your mindset. And I wish I could go back to my younger self and just kind of say that, you know, I grew up really like trying to fit in all the time and trying to make sure people liked me all the time. And it didn't really bring me the best support. And like, I didn't realize that support wasn't there until I needed it the most. And so I would go back and I would tell myself to, you know, prepare because uh, your life's about to change. But I think I would I would really tell myself to choose who you're surrounding yourself with wisely and to live every day as if it's your last, because you really never know when something's going to be taken from you or something's going to be gone. And I know people say that all the time, but damn, let me just tell you, as someone that once was running on a treadmill to the next week was being told she'll never run again. Let me just tell you the reality of that sinking in. Cause I didn't, I took that suffered. I took that stuff for granted. I was young. I was like, I'm active. And now, now I don't have that. So I would just go back, tell myself to really find those people that you can rely on and be supported by. And I think all relationships should be a two way street in, in addition to keeping that mindset and just um, not taking life for granted. Okay, hold on. I'm writing down. I've been told I talk fast. What do you think? <laughs> well, I, I don't know if you talk fast, but you definitely talk <laughs> very loud. <laughs> I'm over I here. Told that too. <laughs> I'm a, you know, usually like I, I shared this with you before we started airing. Usually when the guest speaks, I'm turning up my meters on my machine. And then when I talk, I turn them down because I have a fairly loud voice with you. It's kind of the opposite. I'm going, Oh my gosh, she's talking. I got to tell them, which is good. And I, can I share with the audience what I share with you over the phone call last week about your voice? Yeah. yeah, how about <laughs> it? You don't have, you don't look, you don't hold much back to you. You're pretty transparent. I love it. Oh, hell yeah. <laughs> so last week we were talking on the phone and I, we talked for about a half an hour or so. And I said to Sarah, I said, you have an incredible vo podcast voice. You sound like, and I couldn't think of the lady's name, and ended up being Miley Cyrus. 
And <laughs> I actually like Miley Cyrus. I like her music. So I do. And I like her mindset. I've listened to her on podcast. She's an incredibly intelligent woman. Most people pick on her, but I think she's great. No, but I love her. I do too. I think she's awesome. I think she's so badass. Oh, she is. And she's a big advocate of this book called The Brain That Changes Itself. And it's a really good book by written by a, a very well-renowned uh, psychotherapist, I believe, or behavioral scientist. I'm not sure. And that's her therapist. That's her psychiatrist that she goes to who wrote the book. Um, so she talked about that extensively. But you have that voice, that kind of raspy voice. So it's great, man. It's I love it. So I don't think you talk fast. Maybe. You just, you got a good, strong voice, man. I love it. <laughs> strong. Yeah. I, I get told I'm loud. I don't know, probably like five times a week. So like every day. <laughs> hey, man. Don't ever hold that back. Oh, hell no. I'm so loud. <laughs> you, you either like it, either love it or you don't. I don't know what to tell you. <laughs> right. Right, you've you've done your your time as a young person trying to fit in and get people to like you. You don't need to do that anymore. You've you've passed the <laughs> test of life with what you've gone through. You've earned the ability to live life on your own terms, man. Um, so I'm going to just encapsulate what Sarah just said. So I think this is an incredible lesson for all of us. Is number one, prepare for life. You know, we don't know what's going to happen. That that's an important thing. But also, be very careful. And choose your the people who you surround yourself with wisely. I think um, with extreme prejudice almost, and I hate to say, use that term because it's misused so much, but you have to look at the people around in your life and ask them, are they feeding you or are they robbing from you? Are they food nourishing or are they toxic to you? There really isn't a lot of in-between people. And, you know, you do become the average of the 10 people you associate with most. You do. So you don't want to be the top person in your group and you don't want to see because you don't want to be the king of the dipshits but you don't want to be the bottom person you want to be somewhere in there you want to be able to learn from all different types of people but like she said people who are there to support you people you can rely on people who you can um who, who love you and care about you and, and it goes back to something i really believe sarah is we we should surround ourselves with people who they will celebrate with us they will support us and they will challenge us. And we have to do the same thing back to them. And if the people you associate with most in life, you can do that back and forth. As you said, life, it's, you know, relationships are a two-way street where you all can celebrate together, support each other and challenge one another to grow and become a better person. That's your pack right there. That's your Amen. pack. That's your pack. Absolutely. Well, well, what's next for you? You know, uh, actually I'm starting law school here in September. So looking forward to that, but Hoping to buy a house down here in Florida if the market ever wants to calm down a little bit. Um, so other than that, so aside from like life, I think as far as my leg goes, I am unfortunately looking at a 10th surgery. But if uh, the viewers didn't learn anything from me, I think I got this one in the bag. Um, hmm. Hoping to get that over with. It shouldn't be too bad of a recovery. And then uh, I'm just trying to live, you know, I'm just trying to live every day the best I can and. Honestly, when I look at my future, the only thing I really see that I want is just to be happy. So I'm loving it down here in Florida. I'm just going to keep living it up, head over to school and hopefully get to my career while um, continuing my platforms online. I love it. Well, you didn't you didn't mention one thing that we talked about last week that we've been texting about. Oh, yes. Um, I will be starting a podcast All here right. shortly. So <laughs> with Brian's help. Uh, I'm going to get that started up and, you know, I'm going to use it as a resource for people that are just going through hard times and doesn't even have to be surgical related, just kind of just talking because I think it's so uh, therapeutic to listen to people just have conversations about, you know, how they went through challenges and how they got over it. The, The more you listen to people speak of how they get through hard times, 
the more you're able to find what really works for you. And then ultimately that changes your life. So that's what I'm hoping to accomplish in my podcast. I, you know, I, I don't have any doubt that, the, you know, like I told you last week, it takes time to build the audience. Uh, you're going to build an audience. There's no doubt. You have the experience, the wisdom, the talent, the character, the grit, and you have, like I said, you've got the voice for it. And I sure hope so. It would be, <laughs> be a great uh, addition to just helping others and really making sure no one else feels alone. So really hoping and really, really excited about it, too. So it's funny you sent me those microphones and I pulled them up and I like, they're not pink. I love pink. I don't know what it is. Like, I'm like, I need one that's pink. I just feel like it's on brand for Sarah. <laughs> Well, put a pink, uh, put get some pink uh, masking tape or something, or duct tape and wrap it around it. Yeah, I was good. Yeah, you sound just like my dad. He's going to tell me to spray paint that thing pink. Right. I mean, I'm looking at my equipment right now, and literally everything I have, everything, every stand, every the the uh, soundproofing equipment, the microphone, the meters, the the pop mic, the pop screen I have, my phone, even everything, my computer, everything is black. <laughs> The, even my pens are black that I'm writing with. Yeah, there's not a lot of. There, in fact, I'm looking around my. I, I don't see one. There's one little pink thing that I can see from this room that I'm in right now. It's about the size of a quarter. I don't even know what it is. I can see it in the distance. But pink is my new addiction. I don't know what it hey, is. But nothing wrong new, with it. But it's funny because if you ask my parents, they would be like, "What the hell?" Because you come to my house. It's all beige and white. It's like it makes no sense. <laughs> well, maybe you just maybe maybe you're just missing a little pink. You got to put a little pink in. Yeah, right. You know, like a little spice. Yeah, a little accent pillows or something <laughs> to kind of curb your appetite. I'm not sure you're going to find a lot of pink uh, podcasting equipment. I don't know. Maybe I just I would get some duct tape and I would wrap things. That's what I would do. Or like your dad would say, spray paint it. <laughs> okay, well I'll make sure I'll make sure to announce that too when I start the podcast. Uh, Brian's an expert, but he told me to duct tape it. So if anyone's wondering why microphones <laughs> duct taped. <laughs> Well, I, you know, I, for your podcast, and I was thinking about this since we talked last, I have, a, I can line up a lot of guests that would be incredible fits for your content and your, and your, you know, your, your desires to what your message you want to get out there. And I've been writing names down already. If you want to be introduced to anybody, um, I'll be glad to introduce you to people who are on my podcast or who are friends of mine or colleagues of mine. Heck so, yeah. Yeah, man. We'll get that thing started. We'll get Heck that started. yeah. Thank you. Appreciate it. Of course, man. Of course. Um, well, okay, you know, I have to say to the audience, and um, her father, Frank, was uh, on my podcast back in October of 2022, and out of 96 podcast episodes, Frank's in the top 24% of, of downloads so far, so we're going to make this podcast, I don't care what we have to do, we're going to market this one, we're beating her dad's podcast downloads. <laughs> And, and I say though, with all due respect, because for those of you who, of you don't who don't know, her father was a um, was a fairly very successful man with Ameriprise Financial. And when he was a field vice president out in Portland, Oregon, I was just a year and a half into starting my consulting firm. This was 25 years ago. Right about now, it was like June or July of whatever, 25 years ago. I was still struggling, man. I. You know, I lost my car to, to a repossession. I was living in a little shack in Pinckney, Michigan. I was digging under the couch and getting into my daughter's piggy bank to get food and try to pay bills. I had a few local clients, but, you know, I was 29 years old and trying to figure this thing out. And Frank called me and said, hey, will you, are you open to coming out to Portland, Oregon and putting together your marketing program for my team? I'm like, well, let me think. You know, I, I acted like I was so successful. I wasn't sure I had time, but I was like, yeah, I'm going. So within like a month, I was out there and I think I was, I think I spent set six or seven months living in Portland, Oregon and, uh, and worked alongside of Frank's team. And so Frank was, 
will always hold a special place in my heart. I would never tell him that to his face, but he will because he gave me my first big break that really helped launch my practice and my and my consulting firm. So um, I owe him. I own big time, but I'm not doing that. I'm not helping you because I owe your father, there. I'm helping you because you have a lot to offer to the world. So, oh, I know. I like to think I'm cooler than my dad anyway. Oh, so, geez. I found that out last week, it did, but the bar wasn't real high. So, <laughs> all right. So, Sarah, is there any questions? We wrap up any question that I didn't ask or any that you wish I would have, or any final message that you want to leave with the bamboo pack? Um, You know, I don't think I have any questions. I think just really, you know, life is, it's, it can be what you make it and, um, work on changing your mindset and truly dedicate yourself to it. You know, give yourself a month and just focus on your mindset for a month. I swear you're going to see it change your life. And I can't tell people that enough, especially being 23. I have so many of my friends that will call me for advice They're all, and they always call me for advice. And it took me a while to figure out why, but you don't learn these lessons sometimes until you go through something really hard. So if you can prepare yourself before you hit that life event, that's really challenging. You're going to be so much more well-prepared and not even that, just how you handle your life and things that are thrown your way reflects onto others and it attracts others. So work on your mindset and just become the best version of you. I mean, truly that's the best advice I've ever gotten. And just remember to be patient with yourself along the way. Life is hard enough as it is. And like I said earlier, don't be your own bully. I love it. And I think that, so just stop everybody out there listening for you, the Bamboo Pack member out there listening to this and look at the calendar today and mark a calendar uh, one month from, from this day. And for this next 30 days, 31 days, focus on your mindset, focus on write down the things you can, you have to accept and put down the things you can control. Cross off the accept, focus on the things you can control. Work on daily affirmations, build a good morning routine of exercise, maybe prayer, meditation, reading, journaling, writing things that you're grateful for in life. Um, getting back, you know, exercising, uh, doing something physical. If you're doing something physical, do it a little more physical. So that's how you change your mindset. You focus on these seemingly insignificant things, but when you do them over time and when they add up, it has a dramatic positive impact on your life. And I yes. think if we can look at things, Sarah, and I think what you have is a really good attitude that it took me far after my age 23 <laughs> to realize that <laughs> my biggest motivation now is not just improving myself. It's improving myself so I can inspire other people, especially my closest family and friends, my clients and bamboo in the, in the bamboo pack audience. Um, when you have that motivation, it isn't just for you. It's for everybody around you. They benefit from that. The people you love, the people you're, you haven't even met yet that you're going to love. People who barely even know you, they just see you doing things in the gym or they see, whatever. Yes. That's who you're really doing this for. When you can have that external motivation of, of I want to help other people and inspire other people, whew, that's a fire in the belly that you can't put out. Yes. And let me just tell you, and you also are helping other people, especially in my experience, not only have I helped other people, but I've made so many great friends along the way and just connections that I would have never made had I not put myself out there and really taken that time to work on myself to attract those people. So something that I had to practice for a long time, but something I will be forever grateful for. That's kind of how I describe um, my whole experience was it was the hardest thing I've ever gone through, but the most rewarding thing I've ever felt. Mm. Ooh. 
the hardest thing I've ever gone through, but also the most rewarding thing I've ever felt. Yep. Dude, you could have just said that an hour ago. We could have read that. <laughs> I got I to gotta leave some hooks in here somehow. <laughs> <laughs> you saved the best to last for last, man. Hell yeah. The hardest thing I've ever gone through is the thing that – say it again. The hardest thing that I've ever gone through is the most rewarding thing that I have ever felt. Folks, we're going to leave it at that. Sarah, please stay on the line so we can talk a little bit afterward. I know you're busy, but I'd like to have a few minutes with you. Um, oh, absolutely. Not a problem. Hey, my friend – I'm so proud to share this planet with you. You're awesome. And uh, you are already changing the world, but you're going to have a major impact on this planet. So thank you for that. Uh, thank you so much. And thank you so much for having me, Brian. This is awesome. And uh, look forward to connecting with you more as we continue this journey of podcasting. Oh, yeah, of course. Yeah, you've got a new friend up in Michigan now. <laughs> uh, all right. Thank you, Sarah. You were amazing. And I appreciate your time today. Thank you. You as well. All right, Bamboo Pack members, please get out there and strive love and live and appreciate you all until next time.